You're listening to a podcast from Bayside Church International. Come on. You know, we're preaching out of one of my favourite books this morning, John. In fact, the last few weeks we have been, because we're doing a series of Jesus Revealed. Who likes talking about Jesus? Can't go wrong there, can you? And um, the book of John is one of my favourite books because it is so pictorial. There are pictures, aren't there? Everything you read in John is like, it just makes you imagine. You can only imagine. One of the greatest topics that I love is when the Bible talks about water. Does anyone else experience that? Anyone else enjoy when the Bible speaks about water? And the reason I love that is because you guys know I love birds, yeah? We all know I love birds, and if one day I just take off and fly, praise God, that would be awesome. That's what I would love to do. But um, <clears throat> second to birds, I love water. I love water because I can stand by it and be reminded of God. And when I've got a book like John where I can take it back to the Scriptures... There are so many things that are revealed as I just stand there and look at what he naturally made. You know, every day in some form, I see water. And um, you drink it, don't you? You better drink it. I've talked to you about this before. You all drink water, don't you? I'm not going to go into my health talk. Every day we need to be drinking water. And every day we are reminded as we drink water of the goodness and the love and the presence of God. Now, John talks about water lots. In 1 John, we find baptisms, don't we? Who's read John? Have we all read John at some stage? If you haven't, please go out and read it today. I think you will absolutely love it. But in 1 John, Jesus is born, and that's talked about, and then kind of in a John kind of way. And then... um, And then baptisms are talked about because John the baptizer is introduced. And of course, we see Jesus getting baptized. And this is the first time that the Spirit of God is introduced as Jesus is baptized. In John chapter 2, we see water changing into wine. That's a pretty cool miracle. I don't know about you, but I kind of am like, quite often when I drink water, God change it into wine. Not because I desperately want wine, but I just think that is the coolest miracle. You know, water refreshes, wine changes your perspective. Every day, (laughs) true? Let me relate this back to God, please, quickly. (laughs) Makes you joy-filled. When I think of wine, I think of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit changes our perspective and the way we see life. And it makes us happy. Come on. Whenever you drink water or wine, think about these things. One revitalizes you, gives you energy, and the other one changes the way that you see the world. And it's important that our mind is changed to see the world through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 3, we see Jesus talking to a man called Nicodemus. And he is talking about being born again. And he talks about water, being born again of water and 
of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to get into all of that. In John chapter 4, we see Jesus sitting at the well and he's talking to a Samaritan woman. And he goes, can you give me a drink? I'm really thirsty. It's the middle of the day. I've been walking all day. And she goes, what am I doing talking to a Jewish man? Like, what's this about? And Jesus goes, you don't only want to talk, from me, talk to me. You want to like have the living water that I have to give. And a whole new story. God uses this opportunity. Jesus uses this opportunity, sorry, to tell a whole new story of the living water that he provides. So we drink from Jesus and he not only provides us with nourishment, but then he releases something from within us so that we then can give whatever we receive from Jesus to others. You see, I've never understood this thing of us getting from Jesus, of us understanding his grace and his love and his mercies and then keeping it for ourselves. Because that's not what it says in John 4. In John 4 it says, as I drink of the living water, out of me will flow fountains of who God is into the lives of other people. See why I get excited about water? This is what I look out over water and think about and ponder. In John chapter 5, we see Jesus revealing himself as a healer. He's at the, um, what are they called? He goes to the pool, Bethesda, which means house of loving kindness. He goes to that pool where people are sitting expecting to get healing. Remember, remember the story? Every now and then the angels would come and stir the water. And what would happen? The first to get in would get healed. Well, Jesus came along and he goes, you don't need that anymore. Get up, walk, you are healed. He reveals that he is the living water that heals. He is loving kindness. And so this is one of the reasons that I love John. It is so easy to relate it to my life. When I think about water, I think about all the aspects of Jesus. And that's only in John. This is the picture, this is the story that John tells. So... I'm not going to talk from any of those stories this morning. I actually want to go from John chapter 6. But before we go there, I want to let you know that I started preparing this message in August. So I've had a few months to prepare. No pressure. That doesn't mean that it has to be awesome, although it will be. But um, I started preparing this message in August last year, and this is the first time I've actually got to release it. But in August last year, I um, was preparing for a very special event. In September, we had the women's conference, wild, strong, and free. And it was in the preparation time for this conference that I started to tremble, that my life started to get a bit wobbly, that a few different things started coming at me, and all of a sudden... I was like, what am I doing? What is going on? So I had a couple of weeks to do some preparation for the conferences, back-to-back conferences, and I'd set some time aside. And it was on one of these particular days that I'd set aside that I woke up that morning and I got out of bed and I cried. And I walked into the day absolutely overwhelmed by negativity. Has anyone else ever had those days? It is not okay when you wake up like that. It is not okay when it's gone on for days and days 
and days. But the fact was is that there was a lot happening in the lead up to that event and on this particular week, my kids had been sick, really sick, all week. And those of you who know, as a mum, you don't get to rest when the kids are sick. I've had a week like that this week and it's like, what day is it? What's going on? Just keep moving forward. Anyway, it was on this particular day and I actually contacted a friend and I said, listen, I've got to prepare a message but I can't get my head together. I am losing the plot. Jesus thinks, God thinks that he's going to use me at this women's conference and I can barely get through today. Like, what is he thinking? And so after crying probably for hours and her talking me through it and me listening a bit and then crying some more and then her talking me through it and then I listened a bit and then I cried some more and I kind of left a little bit better but not fully. Like, I was still really a mess. And I went down to the beach and I went to Middleton And I sat there on the point in my car because there was a storm raging on. Kind of convenient, don't you think? I looked out at the waves and the waves were crashing into the shore. And I just, with tears in my eyes, was just like, God, that is how I feel. You are relating to me. And there's waves crashing down and crashing down and crashing down. And then amongst those waves, I saw what I thought was a seal. And so I I sat there and I watched it. And then after a while, I was like, you really do understand me. I feel like I can't breathe like that seal. It's just, it's just, everything's just smashing over me. I can't breathe, God. I can't get free. I can't get free. And in the midst of me losing it, I saw behind the waves a water spout. And I looked behind the waves. I had been looking at the waves for probably 10 minutes. I had been looking through tear-stained eyes. My face was a mess. And I saw a great whale. It had been there the whole time, I imagine. But it was just there, just behind the waves. But I just had to look beyond. And it took the water spout for me to see beyond. Now, those of you who know me, who have heard me speak before, know that the whale for me is also an image that God gives me to show me the goodness of who he is. Because I understand that water speaks much about God's goodness, God's love, God's grace, God's mercy, God's healing power, his kindness. But when my perspective changed and when I saw that whale, I realized that I am not drowning in water. I am breathing in all that he is and I have the potential to blow it out. I can breathe in all those things that he is and I have the potential to blow it out. God used that moment to change my perspective. And as he did, I was reminded of this story in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, last week, who was here to hear Rachel talk about the feeding of the 5,000? She did a great job. I was hanging on every word, listening in my car. It was great. But at at the end of that story, we're left with 12 disciples who are exhausted and tired. True? For hours, I don't know, perhaps the whole day, I don't know how long, they had been sorting people into groups. They had been obeying the commands of Jesus and handing out the loaves and the fishes and continually believing for themselves that what they had in their hands was going to expand. For hours and hours and hours, they had been serving. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I think 12 people plus Jesus, 13, and 5,000 says men, so maybe 10,000 with the women, maybe 15,000 with the kids, maybe 30,000. We don't know. 12 people serving that many people is exhausting. I know. I've done much less. But at the end of the day, they're tired. They're weary. Can you put yourself in their shoes? And Jesus is as well. So Jesus makes the decision and he's going to go away and pray. But the disciples, they go in a different direction. And that's where I want to start my story today. Are you ready? Buckle in. So I'm mostly going to be transitioning through the story in John, but I want to add in some of Mark's perspective and some of Matthew's perspective. Now, we all know the Gospels are written by different people, yes? So each one has a different eyewitness view of what occurred on this day. And I find this really funny because it makes me think about different people and I know different people who have been at the same event and when you talk to them, their whole dialogue about what happened is completely different. You're like, were you even at the same event? Were you there when that happened? What about that? And it's a bit like that with this story, so I'm going to include some stuff in, and I hope that you really enjoy it. John 6. How you going, Jess? I'm going to put it up on the screen for you, and I'm reading out of the Passion Translation, only because it's a really easy translation to understand. After waiting until evening for Jesus to return, the disciples went down to the lake, but as darkness fell, he still hadn't returned. So the disciples got into a boat and headed across to Capernaum. In Matthew 14, it says, as soon as the people were fed, Jesus told his disciples to get into their boat and to go to the other side of the lake while he stayed behind to dismiss the people. See what I mean? Two totally different stories. But imagine the the first The second disciple is one of the ones who hears what Jesus says. He hears it when Jesus says, do this. But in John, whoever wrote that, debatable, whoever wrote that, he has not heard these commands. He's just heard the other disciples say, we're going to Capernaum. So he just assumes the disciples have decided we're jumping in the boat, we're going to Capernaum. It's interesting to just read the different accounts. After the crowds dispersed, Jesus went up into the hills to pray. And as night fell, he was there alone with God. So he dispersed the crowd and said goodbye to his disciples, then slipped away to pray up the mountain. Again, two different accounts, but I love this part. Because as a person who loves people, but also loves time getting filled up on my own, I totally get why Jesus would have just disappeared from the crowds. Does anyone else relate to that? I love it that there's two groups of people. There's the disciples who all go together and then there's Jesus who goes off on his own. In John 6, it says, By now, a strong wind began to blow and was stirring up the waters. And right here I go, come on. Are you kidding me? What is the deal with a storm right about now. Anyone else feel that when they read this story? Again, let me remind you, the disciples had been out 
all day, feeding the 5,000, doing the will of God, taking from Jesus all the words that he said and the, and the food that he, and giving it out. They were doing the will of God. What is the deal with a storm arising? Anyone else thought that when they've read this story? I thought that a little bit the day that um, I was like on the beach, upset. My family was sick. I was like, come on, I'm doing the will of God. What is the deal with this storm? All right, no one else is like that, just me. My first point this morning, a very important one for some of you, is this. Storms happen. Storms happen. That's my first point. It doesn't mean that what you did previously, obeying God, was wrong. It doesn't mean where you are going, okay? Because remember the disciples had been told to go to Capernaum. They were following the will of God. It doesn't mean that they were going to the wrong place. It just means that storms happen. As night fell, (laughs) the boat was in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on land. The wind was against the disciples and he could see. And they were straining at the oars trying to make headway. So remember, here they are, the disciples. They're going from one place where they were doing the will of God, where they were on assignment, where they were being obedient. They were going to the next place where they were going to do the will of God, where they were being obedient. And here they were in the middle, straining. You know, I kind of think that should have been a time of rest. Where's the time of rest between events? And here they are straining at the oars. And you know what? Jesus can see. Does that not frustrate you? Is it only me who gets so passionate about these things? But Jesus said he could see that they were straining at the oars trying to make headway. In John 6, it says this, the disciples had rowed about halfway across the lake when all of a sudden they saw Jesus walking on top of the waves, coming towards them. So they panicked. They're so human. In Matthew, it says at about four o'clock in the morning, okay, read this. If I go back to Mark 6, it says, as night fell, the storm arose, and at about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the waves. When the disciples saw him walking on top of the water, they were terrified and screamed, a ghost! Now, can you imagine this? They're going from one destination where they're really exhausted and tired. They've gone out into the lake like Jesus has told them. They're now straining at the oars for what could have been all night. And Jesus comes walking on the water and they're terrified. Imagine that. I mean, I love that because it makes me feel less bad when my emotions go crazy when I'm tired and when storms come. Is it terrible that I'm confessing to that from up here? Well, you know what? It's just a fact, and I hope it puts some of you in a better place. My second point this morning is this, and Rob confirmed it in the prayer meeting, and I'm going to share that scripture with you in a sec, but listen, God may not respond in the way you expect him to. We need to let go of our expectations. 
storms happen and sometimes God does not respond the way we're expecting. And that's okay. Doesn't feel okay sometimes. But if we can get it in our heads, especially while we're not in a storm situation, it's easier to comprehend once we're in the storm. I'm getting my phone because I'm just going to read the scripture that Rob read this morning that I just thought was perfect. In Isaiah 55, verse 8, it says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Someone might need to hear that this morning. So when it was almost morning, Jesus came to them walking on the surface of the water. Can you imagine how terrifying that is? I mean, no, they, none of them have ever seen anyone walking on water before. I would love to be able to do this. That's why I've got a paddleboard, just so I can walk on water. Jesus came to them walking on the surface of the water and he started to pass them by. Jesus just blows my mind in this story. Why is he passing them by? They're in a storm. They're crying out. They're scared. They're fearful. In John 6, it says, But Jesus called out to them, Don't be afraid. You know who I am. My question number three is this. My point number three, and it is a question. (laughs) Where is Jesus in your storm? The best question we can ask in the midst of a storm is, where are you, Jesus? What does he look like and what is he doing? The disciples knew Jesus. They spent loads and loads of time with him. But in the midst of the storm, in the midst of their frustration, in the midst of their negative emotions, all of a sudden they were like, where is he? Who is he? And he's right there. And they're like, what is this, a ghost? It's worth asking the question, where is Jesus in your storm? So the disciples are there and they're rowing their boat and they're straining at the oars and they're tired and they're exhausted and this has been going on for hours and hours and hours and hours. And there's Jesus walking past. And there's only one disciple. And this is only recorded in the book of Matthew that shouts out, Lord, if it's really you, then have me come join you in the water. Come and join me, Jesus replied. And Peter's like, what have I got to lose? I'm wet already. So Peter steps out into the water and begins to walk towards Jesus. But when he realizes how high the waves are, he becomes frightened and starts to sink. Can I encourage you? Is there anyone here who has started to walk on the water? And then freaked out. Yeah. It's okay. Save me, Lord, he cried. Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and lifted him up and said, What little faith you have. Why would you let doubt win? Now we can look at this few words from Jesus and think, Well, that's kind of mean. He tried. Why is he getting reprimanded right at that moment? There he is drowning and he's like, why'd you let doubt win? 
But I kind of think of it like this. Jesus knows that Peter is going to go on and do far more than walk on water. He's going to have challenges that blow his mind and he has no comprehension for the kind of challenges that are about to face him in the future right at this moment. But what Jesus is saying to Peter right in this moment is, come on, you've got it. You think you're drowning, but you are totally capable of walking on this water. So take my hand and together they walk and hop back in the boat. This wasn't a, hey, you naughty boy, you you failed. This was a, come on, this is not a failure. Together we succeed. And they get back in the boat. Whether you're in a storm right at this moment or whether you need to be prepared for the next time that one comes up, one arises, because it's highly possible that it will, I want you to ponder this question and I want you to seriously ponder this question. There were 11 disciples that stayed in the boat. There was one that got out. The one that got out had a story to tell that the others didn't. All of the disciples made it to the next destination. They all got to continue on in the journey with God. But Peter got to grow in that situation. How will you respond to Jesus in the storm? In verse 32, in the very moment they both stepped into the boat, the raging wind ceased. Then all the disciples crouched down before him and worshipped Jesus. In John 6 verse 21, it says they were, were relieved to take him in and the moment Jesus stepped into the boat, they were instantly transported to the other side. Come on! I wonder if they were flying in the boat. In Mark 6, verse 51, then he came closer and climbed into the boat with them and immediately the storm was still. This is important. Point number five, if you're taking notes. The timing of reaching your next assignment is unknown. Expect the timing to change. If the disciples had have done it in their own strength, they still had to row to the other side. But Jesus changes timing quickly. Some of us think we've got more time than we do, and some of us have actually got less time. Did I say that right? I don't know. But I remember this one story, and I am going to use this one illustration from my life. So when Chad and I were thinking about church planting back when we were maybe 19, 20-year-olds, we believed that we would be doing it when we were 40-year-olds. But there was a moment where we'd been discussing things at home. We were very either newly married or not even married yet. And, um, and we'd been talking about one day planting a church in Victor Harbour. Or, I, or that was something that had been, something that had gone around and a discussion we'd had. Anyway, our pastor at the time, Rob Rufus, um, had a conversation with Chad in the bathroom one night where all good conversations happen. And he'd been asking Chad, you know, is church planning on your mind or something to that regards? And Chad had said, yeah, one day maybe, big to harbour, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I don't know, 15 minutes later, I'm sitting in a deacon's meeting. And I hear from Rob's lips, 
that in the next few weeks, there will be a church plant in Victor Harbour. And I did not look at Chad. I just remember just looking at the floor or focusing on somebody, but I'm like, I am going to kill him and I am not going to look at him because in my, like I said, we were, I think we were newly married. I'm like, I am not ready for that. I was pregnant. There you go. I was not ready for that. <laughs> I was pregnant at 21 and I was not ready for anything other than the pregnancy. And I was barely ready for that. Anyway, we got home later that night and, and started discussing things. And whilst we did not plant Straight away, we waited a year. <laughs> God sped up the process in a massive way because we had someone in our life who just said, you can do it. You can get on with the job. You can do it a lot faster than you can imagine. And so, you know, our boat went from one side to the other like that. And I praise God for that. Like I look back, <laughs> getting closer to 40, and I think I'm glad I didn't wait until I'd had my life before I became a pastor. I don't know what we were thinking with the 40 age, but anyway. 40's good. I'm going to ignore them for a minute. I'm going to look out over this side. These guys are behaving. Some of you have had a dream on your heart. You've had things written in your life and you're like, it's too late. My years are up. So unlike us, your process hasn't been sped up, but you feel a bit like Abraham and Sarah. You're like, God, you promised, and I'm far too old for that dream to come true now. And God wants you to know that his timing is perfect. The timing of reaching your next assignment is unknown. Expect the timing to change. And my, my last point is this. Always make time to worship. The disciples got into the boat. Uh, the disciples. Jesus got into the boat with Peter and the disciples worshipped him. Always Make time to worship. He is worth worshipping. Is that true? Malcolm, do you want to come up and join me for a minute? You know, the most powerful thing about this story, as great as those points were, <laughs> and I hope they're good, I hope... Good. <laughs> that was so awkward. <laughs> Hang on a minute. As great as those points were... <laughs> You guys have got to start responding really well before we have a video, before it's being videoed. Because people will be watching this and they'll be like, oh my goodness. Did she just make a good point? Because nobody's responding. Am I allowed to respond at home? Come on, we've got to respond. Um, <laughs> Craig, your mission from God is... You are the sign man. You are the revving up of the audience. Come on. Come on. Take your place. You can start it today. As great as my points were, I just think there is, 
<laughs> it's awesome. Keep going. Um, one of the greatest things about this story is that it is a mirror picture of what happened with Moses, isn't it? Who's been reading the story of Exodus? If you've been going through the Bible chronological reading, <laughs> hopefully you've read the story of Exodus. And we know the story is Moses leads um, the Israelites out of Egypt. But to do that, he has to cross a great expanse, one that is impossible for him to get across. And so what does God tell him to do? He says, take a rod, put it on the waters, and the waters part. And who gets across? The Israelites get across, and the Egyptians, whoosh, wiped out. Only the chosen people get to cross the water. Jesus, in the midst of a raging storm, just walks on over the water. You see, Jesus has made a way for all. It's not the chosen people who get through. It says that he died on the cross for everybody. He made a way for everybody. And the water is something that he could conquer. It was, it was like so small. He was just giving a demonstration of, I can conquer so much more. With Moses, people were wiped out. With Jesus, he took the hand of somebody in the storm and said, come with me. Let's get back into the boat. Jesus wants all. He died on the cross for all. And you know, if you read through the book of John, over a hundred times there is the word believe. If you're in this place and you don't know Jesus, you are so welcome. And you're welcome time and time and time and time again. We want you to experience his goodness. We want you to experience his love. And I would encourage you to go read the Gospels this week. Choose one, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And if your mind is like crazy like mine and has pictures, then choose John. And when you see the word believe, question God. Should I believe in you? Tell me more. Speak back to the word. Allow God to speak back to you. I want to encourage you in this place to allow his love to grow within you, whether you've known him before or whether today you just feel like you're getting to know him. I'm not going to make a specific like altar call, come and know Jesus, but what I want you to do is if you've come with someone in this place, I want you to grab their hand at some time today and say, you know what, this Jesus, I do want to know more. And I'm just telling you because I want you to ask me how I'm going with it. If you don't know anyone in this place, then um, just pick a person. I can be one of them. Rachel can be one of them. Chad can be one of them. Ask Chloe or Kristen who are sitting here at the front, Matt or Ellie at the front. Pick one of these people and just say, hey, I don't know much about Jesus, but I want to be accountable because I'm going to get to know about him more. I want to go to one of your groups that you have during the week where you talk about him. Just come and meet with us. But for all of us, I want you to know this, that at any moment you are in a storm, you can stand by the water and trust that God will speak back to you. Open up the word of God and say, show me what to do in this situation. Jesus, where are you? Speak to me. 
because he wants us to get from one point that he is determined to the next that he is revealing in his perfect timing. He doesn't want any of us to be left behind or to jump out of the boat because we've walked into a storm. But he cares and loves, for all, loves all of us and he wants to take us on this journey together. So let's stand up together. I'm clapping myself. I'm clapping you guys because I'm really impressed by those last five minutes. That's the beginning of next week. Yeah? Come on. It's Easter Sunday. I'll let you know a secret. Chad's preaching. It's going to be awesome. Come on. You can clap yourself. It's good. Let's leave with a song. Let's leave encouraged. If you are in a storm, look up today and allow Jesus to reveal where he is with you today. Come on. Let's worship God. This has been a podcast from Bayside Church International. Thanks for listening.